Welcome to the Teacher Coach Podcast here at Brook Point Studios in beautiful Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. It's our honor today to have with us special guest Kevin Fennefrock, the superintendent of the East Canton School District and a great friend of Scott and myself. Over the years, our sons Solomon, Andrew, and Josh played a lot of youth basketball together, and it was always a joy to watch Kevin on the sidelines as he maintained nothing but composure and class and really represents excellence across the board. I love the way he impacts young people and the way he impacts the school district right now at East Canton as their leader. Kevin Finnefrock, up next. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is such a pleasure today to have with us uh, not only a really good friend, but even a better person, the superintendent of the East Canton Schools, Kevin Finnefrock. Um, Kevin, this podcast is called the Teacher Coach Podcast. Because Scott and I really believe in the model of the teacher-coach in education, um, not, bo- both in the, philo- the philosophy of it, I guess, and the uh, literal meaning of being a teacher-coach, somebody who's in the building all day, grinding through the academia of high school teaching, and then goes into the gym or the field, and then impacts kids on the, on the court as well. Um, that, we believe, is the highest model of, of, of coaching. And when I think about this model, when I think about the teacher coach, it always makes me think, I wish I could be more like you. Um, Kevin, uh, we spent some time coaching together in youth basketball, and I've seen you coach, and you're probably the most poised um, and diplomatic coach um, and personality that I've ever really been around, and I so respect that. But in the many various roles that you've had, um, where do you see this teacher-coach mentality kind of fitting in, even to what you do today as the superintendent of East Canton Schools? And welcome to the program. Thank you very much, TK and Scott. It is so great to be here. I've got to tell you, I've got so much positive energy. I listened to your podcast this morning on my run, (laughs) and I found myself thinking of just what a positive contribution that uh, your work, I think, can have an education and to athletics in general. And one of one of the reasons why is I feel as though both of you are at a stage in your career and at a level of confidence that you could share in an open, honest, and authentic way. And so I just, I, I really, I really appreciated that. And I'm, that's really hard to do. And I think that that's a progression as a person to get to a point where you could share, be vulnerable, and delve into some uh, topics uh, that you guys are doing. So, so for that, thank you uh, for doing that. Going back to your question, I, I listened to it this morning of some of your, um, your thoughts on the teacher-coach model, and I would have to agree with you that that definitely is the preferred and ideal model, is to have coaches that are in the building that are developing the relationships with kids. And in my mind, I think part of that is, is, is number one, is it gives the coach an opportunity to embrace the mission of the school district. And I think that that's something that's extremely important. And then number two is, as both of you know, you talk about the grind, you go play an away game on a Tuesday and get home at 10, 30, 11, and you're dealing with the emotion of that game, and you may or may not sleep very well, but you expect your kids to answer the bell and be on time for them. I just think that that's, I think that's a shared, um, I don't know if you call it sacrifice or, or what the word is, but just uh, to walk along the, right alongside the steps of the student-athletes that you're coaching, that it is special. 
Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that Footprints poem. Um, you know, uh, Kevin and Scott, it, it, the, I oftentimes will reflect on that poem. And um, I know that God carries us through some adversities, but I, I oftentimes feel like some of my players or my assistant coaches or a kid in class or a mentor down the hall who kind of came to the game and said, hey, man, you know, don't, you, you guys will be fine. Don't worry about that loss. But you, you feel like people carry you through that journey, but you can't really carry somebody unless you're there. You know, you can't it's hard to carry them from afar. And, and when you when you when you have that shared suffering of uh, being up at Lake Catholic, Mentor Lake Catholic on a Tuesday night and you got your butt kicked and you drove 62 miles home and then another 22 miles home from there, you're finally in bed at midnight. And now it's 7 a.m. and we're in period one learning about uh, Julius Caesar and Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. It's crazy. Um, Kevin, as the superintendent, are you able to utilize the, the skills that I have seen you um, uh, display so well in, in, in actually coaching? Well, I certainly try to. I don't know uh, to what level or to what success that, that I'm able to do that, but certainly try to. And I think that's one of the, you know, in my professional journey, I rely a lot on the experiences and the, the things that I learned coaching. And, and I thought for the position um, that I'm in now that there was a lot of um, great preparation in terms of uh, dealing with um, really leading communicating, um, working through challenge, um, you know, all of those types of things have been invaluable to me. Kevin, one of my uh, teaching and coaching mentors was a former principal of mine at Wadsworth High School, and that's Roger Kramer. And Roger was a Hall of Fame basketball coach at Cuyahoga Falls and at Barberton High School. And when Roger finally became the principal at Wadsworth High School, he said to me one time, being the principal of a school is like being the head coach of three sports at one time. <laughs> so what is it like being the superintendent of an entire school district? I, I absolutely love it. Um, I, feel like, I feel like we're all in some ways trying to find that cross section of passion and purpose in life. And so for me... I think in this particular role at East Canton that I'm about as close to that cross-section of passion and purpose um, that, that I've ever been. And so I'm really, I'm grateful for that and, and appreciate that. Um, the one unique thing about East Canton uh, that, that I, I don't know that if I um, truly realized how important this would be coming into the job is that we're the only school in Star County that has K-12 under one roof and the central office is located in that building. So what, what I have found, and to be honest with you and, you know, in the spirit of authenticity in which I uh, complimented you both earlier, you know, you walk into that as an, as a, as an administrator, you wonder, well, is that a good thing or a bad thing? That central office is located right by door one. And, right. you know, are you going to be getting hit constantly with, uh, with issues and fires, but that really hasn't been the case. And what I, what I enjoy most about this is that you walk out and you've got a thousand kids. You've got an elementary ring wing right adjacent to the office, a high school you can go down to the cafeteria. So what I found, what I, what I'm finding is that brings me energy. And so I'm grateful for that aspect of it. And then overall, just, you know, certainly, uh, with the position itself, it's been a positive experience. 
Hey, Ke- Kevin, um, you, you, you've been a coach on both the boys and girls side, and I want to dive into that later. Um, so obviously you have experienced those nights when, when you, just, you, you have a great win, you know, and, and it's almost in a, in a, in a way, um, it's almost like a drug because that win will keep you going. Um, but it's, it's a good drug because it's not a drug. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's just something that it, it keeps you going for a couple of days. And, and it, it makes you feel redeemed. Like, you know, there's some redemption. Like, hey, what, what we're doing is, is, is good. And, and this was a good day. What, what's, a win? what's a win for you as a superintendent? You know, when, when do you feel like, ooh, that was a win? I would say... You know, right now in our, maybe I'll give you a couple examples as we're, we're dealing with this health pandemic. Um, you know, I would say our wins are uh, feeding our kids. Yeah. You know, a very basic need that we probably all have, have taken for granted. That's a, that's a huge yeah. win. Um, we're, we're at East Canton uh, distributing about 350 um, uh, families, meals to families per week. Wow. And so, and we're a little bit different, you know, in terms of how we organize that is that no one on, we, we do that on Mondays and everything's volunteerism. And so we didn't not, there's not one person there that's required to be there. Wow. And so personally throughout this pandemic, I feel like I've, I have a greater sense of appreciation of service learning. And, and I'm really hoping personally that as, as we recover from this, that that becomes, you know, maybe more part of my life. And I, I knew of service learning from my time at Walsh, but I, I don't know if I really experienced it and embraced it um, like I am right now. Wow, that, that sounds like a huge win. Um, well, I want to, let's go back. Let's go back to the beginning. Um, I, I don't know what year it was, but let's say it was around 1998-99. Um, during my free period at Archbishop Hoban, I drove down to Canton Central Catholic. Don't tell anybody. I probably wasn't supposed to do that. Um, I, had, I had just enough time to get there and back, and you were kind enough to give me a, a VHS tape on CVCA. Um, and when I, went, when, I, when I came, you were teaching and coaching at Canton Central Catholic. I believe you were the boys' coach. Um, and I came to pick up a VHS, and you were in the teacher's lounge or the main office, and you were using a Scantron to make a test or to grade a test, okay? So that, that's where you began in my mind. And then you went through many different roles, both in teaching and coaching. So, I mean, to me, you're the true teacher coach. Just tell us about your journey. Uh, and you could start even as a player, but if you just want to get into your professional journey, tell us about your journey in teaching and coaching. Where did it start? Well, first, let me say, I never understood why basketball coaches, you know, did all this scouting and the football, they just exchanged tapes. It seems much more efficient to exchange tapes. Right. So you were ahead of, you were ahead of, ahead of your time, TK, by exchanging tapes there. And uh, so for me, my, my dream initially was to be a college coach. Yeah. And I think part of that was, number one, I loved basketball. I mean, that was my passion growing up. Yeah. And my mom says, you know, five years old, I was playing the game and I was the, the offense, the defense, the commentator, the sub, I was just out there and it just, you know, brought me great joy. Yeah. And so as I, as I got into high school and thinking college and start thinking of a career, I wanted to be a college basketball coach. And part of that was I loved Duke. And at that time when I was in high school, 
Uh, Duke was winning national championships. I, I idolized Bobby Hurley. And in my mind, that was my, that was my perception of what being a college coach was, was watching Mike Krzyzewski <laughs> on ESPN. Right. So I went to college. I, I majored in education and I, I thought, you know, perhaps maybe going the high school route. I know my high school coach, Doug Miller, was a great influence uh, and father-like figure in my life. And so I went, I went that route, major in education, and then I was in college coaching for a couple of years, and I learned that it wasn't necessarily what I thought <laughs> was watching Mike Krzyzewski win 90% of his games in national championships. I learned about this, this whole process of recruiting, and, you know, and I wasn't sure if I loved the idea of jumping in my car and driving six hours to watch uh, a kid that you may or may not make an offer to. And, and, and so I, I learned, I learned about it and, and certainly had a couple of great opportunities. And then from there decided that I would really love to be in charge of my own program and, yeah. and to be a head coach. Yeah. And so I had a great opportunity to do that when father Kaler, uh, who was the principal at central Catholic, they had an opening that was vacated by a person both of you probably know, Dan Harold, mm-hmm. now the high school principal at Lake. Well, Dan had accepted he was the girls' basketball coach at Central and taught sociology. Okay. So Dan went to Louisville, created the position. I was very close with Doug Miller. And so I knew, and, and I want you to think about this. You, Scott, you gave the example of coaching three sports. So Doug Miller, I don't know for how many years, had to be close for 20 years, head baseball coach and head basketball coach. Yeah. And I still think, like, how in the world does anyone do yeah. that? Because I don't know about you guys, but by the end of basketball, I was fried. I, I just I didn't have anything left in the tank, and he's going to start another season. <laughs> so going going back to that, so Doug, I knew that Doug was probably in the is within the next you know two to four years was was going to. Um, resign basketball and and coach baseball. So when I came to Central, I coached the girls for two years and then uh, coached the boys after that. Kevin, what, Kevin, what was it like? What, um, what was it like coaching girls for the first time? I mean, was was that um, a unique experience for you? Was it one you cherished? Was it one that was difficult? And any any uniquenesses between the boys and the girls side for you? Absolutely, the the one thing that really sticks out to me was that I don't know what my expectation was in terms of, of the players, um, you know, having instant credibility or instant respect. That is not the way that it works. <laughs> when, at least in my experience in girls basketball, like you had to earn that trust yeah. and you had to earn that respect. Yeah. And so that, that was, as I reflect on it, that was one that was a learning experience for me it was that that was a process that that wasn't something that that just happened overnight but i will say once you earn that then those girls they would have done anything for the program and for each other and so my first year and and i think the other dynamic of it i think you know dan had done a really nice job with the program the girls were close to him that i think was very difficult on the girls to see a coach that they liked um, move on. So I probably underestimated some of those elements just because I was young and, and just 
yeah. you know, hadn't thought of that. Right. But that first year we had, um, we had a group of, uh, five seniors and made a great run Had we 21 and four went to the regional finals and, um, was just, you know, probably one of the highlights of my coaching career, just because it was just one of those special years right. where, um, good kids and, uh, and obviously very successful. Man, I didn't realize you went to a regional final. That's that's pretty special in your first year coaching. Well, I, I need to say that I followed that up with a five and sixteen year, my second year. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll present the good with the bad. You know, I, I had forgotten that Dan Harold was there. He, he's uh, he's refed a lot of our AAU games over the years in youth basketball. He's a really good guy. He is, and I think he's he's uh, I think in the, cut from the same cloth that both of you. Just uh, a lifelong educator and uh, someone that's made a lot of contributions to a lot of different school districts. Yeah. So then, when you when you went over to the boys' side, was that kind of like living your dream? I mean, you played at Canton Central Catholic. You're you're probably um, the best player to ever come out of Canton Central Catholic, unless I'm missing somebody, or or you're one of the few who ever went on to play Division One college basketball. Um, I mean, if they ever hang a jersey in the rafters, your jersey should be hanging. Was that like your dream to be the Canton Central Catholic boys basketball coach? It, yeah, it was definitely. It was definitely my dream. It was definitely something that was on my mind when I came back to Central. And the the reality of it was was I was humbled very quickly as as head boys basketball coach. And they, um, Coach Miller. I mean, he had he had a reputation for they they would play a number of federally on very very difficult schedule. I would say very similar to you know schedule that that you play at Hove and TK. And the year prior, they were the team was five and sixteen and had lost eight seniors. Wow! And so we were my first year. Um, I'll never I'll never forget this because. I started dating my wife, Nicole, when we were 21 and four and we're going out after games and parents are at the restaurant. And I remember, I remember one, one time that season we played St. Thomas. I had all the parents over to the house afterwards yeah. and Lil Kleinfelder, the athletic director, I remember looked at me and said, are you out of your mind? Like, <laughs> and I didn't know, like everyone was happy. We're 21 and we're 21 and four. So Nicole and I started dating twenty one and four. Our first year of marriage is three and eighteen, and and wow. God bless her for for staying with me. I'm sure it wasn't a, a very yeah. enjoyable year. But going back going back to that, so our so the, the right out of the gate, yes, that definitely was a dream of mine. Two, definitely a humbling experience in that I remember our first five games we played Canton South, who had Ronnie Berkwin and and went to state on a Friday. And then on a Saturday, we followed that up with Perry. And then the next Friday, we came back with a Randy Montgomery coach, North Canton team. And then a Saturday against Lake. And you're sitting there two weeks in the season. You're 0-4. Right. And it was very difficult. I, yeah. just, I remember emotionally. Like, I don't, I'm not sure that I was ready. I was ready for that. I knew that I knew basketball. What I didn't, what I don't think that I at least in, in, in that first year, I didn't have the ability or the tools in my toolbox to play different styles and to maybe slow the game down, shorten the game, be more competitive. Right. Um, but so, yeah, very, very, very humbling experience. Kevin, if you were mentoring a young coach or an older coach even, how, what are some things that you would say to him or her? How can you make sure that your kids experience a successful season, even if you're not winning? 
I would say, I mean, there's a few things that come to my mind immediately. Is number one is take care of yourself physically. Um, you know, I, I just I'm I'm so convinced, not just for coaches, but just in education in general of the topic of wellness. And I know I talked to when I was going through that um, that year. Uh, Todd Kowalczyk, who's the head coach at Toledo, I remember he used to tell the one thing he used to tell me. He's like, Finney, get your workouts in. Make sure you're running. Make sure you're on that bike. And, and that was that. And just weather the storm, get on. So I, think, so I think that's number one is that. And I don't think, like, at that time, and you guys you remember when you first get into it, like, you're, you're young, you're full of energy, you, you have a competitive spirit, you can take on the world, um, and you don't, not, sometimes it's easy not to prioritize that. So I think that's one is the importance of wellness. I think two is, I think the importance of drawing from experiences of other coaches, of talking to people and having a mentor, because I think what that'll do is that will, that will give perspective and that will help you lead and, and help those kids. And then three is, you know, in terms of direct with kids, I think, I just think the importance of, of just talking to your kids and just taking the time to talk to them one-on-one, maybe not about basketball, but just keeping that connection going and trying to find small victories throughout the course of the year. Hey, Kevin, when I was um, a younger coach, my first five to 10 years for sure, and I, I still have issues with this, but you kind of build a natural boundary up between you and your team just to protect yourself a little bit emotionally um, or to protect yourself um, from pro- probably from the fear of really hearing what they have to say. Um, and, and you also think that you have to be in control because you are young. You know, you're 22, 23, 24, and 25, so you feel like, hey, I, I better be up here and they better be down here. Um, is that something, like, and especially if you're losing, if you're winning, everybody thinks you're great. Like when you were the girls' coach that first year, hey, winning hides a multitude of sins. But then when you're losing, it's really hard. How, how were you, like, relationally in your first couple years on the boys' side? Were you, were you there yet? Because when I see you with your youth teams, I know you're there, but I know I wasn't there. Were you there yet your first couple years on the boys' side? No, I don't think so. And I think, you know, we're all a byproduct of our experiences. And so at that time, I was extremely young. I was in my early 20s. I was coming off an uber intense and competitive college experience. So at that time, that's kind of who, that's who I was as a leader and who I was as a coach. And so as time progresses, then you have different life experiences that I'm sure, at least for me, I'm sure impact, you know, leadership style and leadership personality. And for me, you know, the obvious life experience is four children. And so at that time, that wasn't a part of my life that now that it is, you know, definitely I would say impacts me today. Kevin, after um, Canton Central Catholic Boys Job, when did you decide that maybe you needed to take another step in your career? I was thinking about it that my final year with the boys, I was thinking about it. And I had found that we're just, Nicole and I were just starting our family. And I think it, and uh, I think Josh was three, Mitch was two, and Nicole was pregnant with Grace. And so driving to Youngstown on a Friday night to scout Campbell, who we may play if, 
uh, we both win two games, <laughs> that was becoming that was becoming stressful and difficult. And I, I enjoyed I enjoyed your first segment of talking about the topic of spending more time with your family. And I, you know, I, I think there are elements of that, uh, but I think part of that too is that I think it's difficult for people to let themselves be vulnerable and go into issues of, um, you know, the emotional uh, stress, the just feeling like you may just need a break. And, and, you know, what I found at that time was, you know, it did feel like 12 months, you know, <laughs> because the season's over. And just by the time that you get the banquet organized, you know, then you have your open gyms and now you're coming home and I'm mad because, you know, this starter didn't show up for open gym twice. And now, you know, and so, you know, those, those were, those were difficult things, but, you know, I think at that point of time, I think I was just, I was kind of just ready for a break for something different. Um, you know, which, which led into that decision. Kevin, before you talk about the next step of your journey, as an administrator, how do you hold on to head coaches now? Because I think your point about there is really no offseason for a head coach. You know, when we were growing up and we were playing, we were on our own for the offseason for the most part. And then we interacted uh, with our head coach during our season. But... Mm -hmm. You know, our head coaches may have coached for 20, 30, 35 years. Today, that's just not the case. So mm -hmm. as a superintendent, a principal, what do you do to support your coaches so they want to stay in the game? Well, the, number, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is I, I try to communicate to them how much I appreciate the role that they have and what they're doing for the school district. So I think that it begins there. In my mind, and, I, and Scott, I, I think I heard you say this this morning, was kind of athletic to me, and I think this COVID-19 crisis has really opened, opened my eyes. Athletics to me is learning. I don't know, is it extracurriculars? It's, it's learning. And we're in the business of teaching and learning. And so I view these experiences that the kids have as some of the highest level learning um, and, and mainly because it gives an opportunity for people to find and connect with their passion. And so I have such a great amount of respect and also appreciation. So that's number one is, is, is to just show that appreciation, uh, to the coaches. So Kevin, um, what was your first position after Canton Central Catholic, uh, boys coach? After Central Catholic, I took a position as assistant principal at Green High School, and that was my first step into administration. I had had my master's in education administration. I got it right out of college. I really didn't know if that was something that I wanted to do, but I, I was going to be a graduate assistant, so it's either counseling, master's in counseling, or master's in administration. So right. I choose administration and felt, hey, I might as well, well give this a shot. Right. Um, so I spent... Uh, seven years at, in the green local school system and just their variety of positions administratively. What were some of the challenges and opportunities of that job as an assistant principal at the high school? Well, I, it was a great, it was a great community and, uh, and one that valued education, the schools. Um, I think the challenge, like for an assistant principal in that position, 
was was the school discipline and the management. I think that just you know in the beginning it's it's my my first my my first day on the job as assistant principal. I, I there's a student that's running out of the the school, a teacher yelling at him, and everyone's kind of looking at you like, all right. You're, you need to solve it. You're supposed to know what to do in this situation to solve it. <laughs> and so, you know, so I found myself the first, you know, year or so, you're kind of in that situation where, you know, you're doing the best you can, but people are looking at you like, hey, you're supposed to right. <laughs> you're supposed to be, be uh, helping us out in this situation. Yeah. So I, I think, the, I think the, the school discipline was something in that particular position that was, that was difficult. Yeah. Did you feel like a law enforcement agent at some point? I always feel like that guy falls into the trap of, investigating crimes <laughs> at times yeah at times i definitely did feel like uh like an investigator for sure <laughs> if, if you're the dean of students which in, in a way you kind of were although you were just maybe called the assistant principal is it, it almost seems impossible to do that role without being the bad guy i mean have you seen people pull it off yeah yeah, I think so. I, I felt, I feel like in the, in the times, like when you're working through the situation, like if you have a sincere effort to, to, to be a mentor, to, you know, try to maybe make a difference in a, make the a challenging situation, a learning experiences or things like that. Uh, I think that is possible to do yeah. in that approach. And then you became a building principal after that. Is that correct? Yeah, I went building principal, went to uh, in the elementary route for a few years, spent a couple years in central office, as, uh, and um, that led me to, to Walsh University. Okay. Um, as a building principal, how, how, how can you use that, that teacher-coach um, kind of philosophy, and what were some of the challenges and opportunities there to, to be a teacher-coach as a building principal when you're kind of the man, so to speak, or the person, the man or the woman? Well, I, I think that... You know, your model of the teacher coach, I mean, think of this, like you're up in front of your team, like you're setting the tone, like you probably are the most influential figure in that particular group on culture. And so I think that that translates over to being a building principal, like you're up there at the opening staff meeting, you're setting the tone. What's your message? What type of culture do you want to have? What are the goals? How are we helping one another achieve those goals? So I think there's so many parallels and so many similarities between being that teacher, coach, and running a program and being a principal and running a school building. So as superintendent, Kevin, when it comes to hiring, mm -hmm. um, what, what are the things that you're most looking for in a teacher? And if an applicant has experience as a high school or a college athlete, is that exciting to you? Not because he or she played sports, but because mm -hmm. of all the things like the intrinsic, um, I guess, gains one can, um, can, can learn from those experiences. I've, come, I've, I've somewhat shifted my philosophy when it comes to hiring and, and interviews and questions. And a lot of that has been influenced by some of the literature uh, that I've read. We have a process in East Canton. There's three rounds of the top candidate or the final uh, two candidates uh, I'll interview in, in my position. By the time that they get to the third round, I know that they're qualified. I know that they're credentialed. And so let's skip to tell me a little bit about yourself. And so 
we'll see if there's a potential candidate. We have some open positions here. If they're <laughs> watching this podcast, they get, <laughs> they're going to get they're going to get a great advantage. Yeah. But what I, what I like to start what I what I want to know in an interview is I want to know your why. Yeah. Why did you cho- choose education? Why TK did you choose language arts? Yeah, and, and and kind of go down that route and yeah. just start there. And I know Simon Sinek uh, uh, has authored a book t- entitled "Why" uh, and how powerful that is. Yeah. So that's that's number one is, is is what's your why? Yeah. Number two is, and this kind of is influenced by the work of Jim Collins and Good to Great, and what they found in terms of analysis of leaders is that they called it the level five leadership, the the qualities in level five leadership that were human will and humility. So I want to know from a candidate, tell me about a time that you, you are proud of that you just showed a tremendous amount of determination and you just kept fighting. And so, you know, those are the types of things that I have found um, that, that I'm looking for in candidates that I think are going to be highly performing educators. Hey, Kevin, I want to step back a little bit because um, we, we, we brushed over Doug Miller, you know, and I, I think anytime you're influenced mm-hmm. as a youngster by people, I think it's just I, I'm fascinated by what we what we gain from others. Um, what, what are some nuggets or some kernels that that I know he influenced you greatly? But I mean, what are some things that you try to take with you from from being influenced by Doug Miller? Well, it's ironic that as, as part of, uh, you know, this stay at home order, I came across some journals that, that Coach Miller had his teams keep. We used to have a notebook, and he encouraged us to write a little bit about every practice and every game. And in one particular year, after my freshman year, I, I did it pretty religiously, and I, I really appreciated the opportunity to go back and to kind of see some of those reflections and experiences. And I can tell you that, you know, from those experiences was that, like, like I remember being in seventh grade and Doug Miller showing up to one of my games <laughs> and like my heart just was like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like coach Miller is in the stand. <laughs> I want to play. I wanted to play so well. My brother Doug was in the program. And so I was around the program a little bit. Yeah. And so like that became in my life, like I wanted to play basketball at central Catholic for Doug Miller. Yeah. And so he was someone that, um, I, the best way I could describe it was that Doug, Doug was an extension of my father. He was just, you know, he was someone that you just wanted to do well for. You didn't want to let him down. You wanted to compete with them. You wanted to fight with them. And I even see this today at East Canton as, as, and Doug's in the position of athletic director and baseball coach. I will say to this day that one of the greatest gifts that anyone has ever given me was by Coach Miller. It was simply the gift of believing in me. And I I just remember he believed in me so much. And at times, probably much more so than I believed in myself. But I I just think that that's so powerful. And, you know, looking back and reflecting on is something that I appreciate. And the other thing that I'll say is that, you know, Doug was a man of great integrity. He, Doug, Doug never, he never used profanity. You know, he was always abiding by, by rules and regulations. He was always doing things the right way. 
Um, and so I really appreciate, you know, having an influence in my life of someone of, of that level of, of character. Hey, Kevin, one thing I really admire about you um, when I watch you coach, and I, I, I have changed and I, I, I try to do this, but I don't think I'm always successful. Uh, you never seem demeaning at all. Um, like I, I've never seen you really go off on a kid. Um, you seem very. You, you seem to have just an, an incredible amount of composure. And, and you've coached with us for a while, and you know I'll, I'll blow my top on my son occasionally, or or, or I don't lose it very often, but occasionally will. Um, is that something you got from Doug? I mean, I, I never saw Doug really being all that. I don't want to say demeaning, but you know how it is. It, coaching sometimes comes across as demeaning, but I never saw Doug yeah. really really like that. I mean, was he kind of tough on you guys, and we just didn't see it, or how, how did he get you guys to rise to your level? I, th- I think that, you know, to me, as I look back on, on some of Doug's strength, number one, he was not the, he was not a, he was not a demeaning coach. Um, he was an intense coach. He was a demanding coach. Uh, but I, but I don't recall like really getting into a player and, and really dressing them down. And I, and I remember, um, I remember Lil Kleinfelder saying this and, and Lil's, you know, those who know, you know, he coached football for 40 some years at Central Catholic. I think Doug was cut from the same cloth with that. You're never going to allow a kid walking away down their self-worth that you could be tough on them. You could be demanding on them, but, but never going to let, and I think, I think Doug, you know, had that same philosophy, um, you know, that he coached with. Kevin, can you talk about then your transition to playing Division One basketball at Ryder? Um, what kind of coach did you play for there, and how did his style differ from your high school coaches, Coach Miller's? Well, part of the reason I went to Ryder, number one, they, they had just made the NCAA tournament, I think, a year or two. So like that was a big deal as a high school uh, athlete of, of having a chance to play in the tournament. And the second part was that the coach at the time was Kevin Bannon. And he was, uh, I'd say maybe his early thirties, his mid thirties. And there had been talk that he had been rumored to, to maybe get be involved in the Seton Hall job. So part of my thinking was that, boy, if I could go to this program, have a chance to play in the tournament, have a plan, chance to play for a coach that may then go on to get a job and, and get me into the college rank. And, in fact, like that's how it turned out because he got the Rutgers job, I think my at the end of my sophomore year. So when I graduated, I spent a year with him as a graduate assistant. So in some ways, it worked out, you know, very well and kind of what I was hoping for. Um, to answer your question, it was it was very different uh, on a number of different levels, uh, and I think to I think at that time, like that was the late nineties and. And I think that, I think coaching in general was different in like the late 80s and the 90s. And I think it's in the East Coast, some of the big, I think Bobby Knight was a major influencer on other college coaches and high school coaches. And people, you know, somewhat reflected that persona and they saw, you know, Indiana program and the success. I think in the East Coast, I think Hubie Brown was an influencer who kind of had just a very, aggressive, um, some could say confrontational, uh, coaching style. Um, so when, when I went out there, number one, yeah, that was, that was, that was an adjustment because, um, you know, the, just the level of intensity was, was, was very different. And then number two is I'm 18 and I'm playing against 
a senior who's 22 is being scouted by the NBA. So the combination, I think, of those things, um, you know, made it made it a, a huge transition. Kevin, um, as, as you reflect on um, how all of this has impacted the way you coach today, uh, I'm sorry, the way you um, utilize the teacher coach philosophy in your profession today, would you mm-hmm. do, do you think? Um, if you could go back into coaching today, okay, let, let's say you let, let's say it's your retirement job and you get out of being a superintendent in five years, and as a retirement job, you, you just want to go coach uh, somewhere and be a head coach at a small high school somewhere. How, how would you get the most out of your kids in what, what in today's coaching world? How would you get the most out of your kids? Not be demeaning. Try to keep it positive, but yet want to have excellence. Like what what would your style be after all this wisdom that you've gained? Well, I, you know, I, I'll make some comparisons. You know, I, I've coached both of, um, I've coached Josh, you know, since we got together. I don't know when, when, when our, when was that third grade or fourth, fourth grade? Yeah. I, you know, so that's been a number of years and, and I've coached Mitch. And I'll tell you a funny story. When I took the, the position at East Canton, it was about, I accepted it. It was the evening about 11 p.m. And Josh was an eighth grader. And I say, Josh, I just took this job at East Canton, and and he got this look of disappointment on his face. <laughs> and he says, "Does that mean that you're not going to be able to coach this year?" <laughs> and that really had a profound impact on me. Yeah. And and he followed that up with, "Does that mean that you're not going to be around very much?" <laughs> and so I really took it to heart at that moment. I remember sitting on the couch thinking to myself, like boy, did I, did I screw this up? Did I make the, the right decision? Yeah. Um, so I knew how important that was to him. And, and I think, I mean, to, to answer your question, if I going back and I, I guess maybe this is kind of how I approach it now is that, you know, what's the mission? Like what, what, what's the purpose of your leadership and the, per, what are you trying to accomplish as a program? Right. And to put that at the forefront Right. Not only for the members of the team, but also for yourself. It's going to help guide you yeah. as you lead and navigate certain situations and communicate that to parents and to the kids and to that. So what's the mission? What are we trying to accomplish? And then from there, we're going to set goals and we're going to just relentlessly go after them and compete on a daily basis. And we're going to have fun doing it. Yeah. And we're going to grow together as people as players and and just look for things that that motivate us i can say i can, I, I really enjoyed coaching or i enjoy now coaching at this like eighth grade seventh grade because in my mind i feel like you're better able to kind of flush out some of the things that high school coaches have to deal with in terms of cuts in terms of maybe uh, unmet expectations of, of playing time right. or, or criticism, uh, yeah. you know, fairly or unfairly. Yeah. I don't feel like, like it just seems pure to me. And yeah. I think, you know, that I really, really enjoyed that portion of it. But could you bring that type of approach and purity to a more competitive level on a high school level and sustain it and do it consistently? I don't know. I, 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 but that's how, that's what I would, that's what I would try to, that's what I would attempt to do. Sure. Would you be able to sustain that at a more competitive level, like a high school varsity, um, um, like a high school varsity level? Yeah. I, I, I actually think you could. 
I, I really mm-hmm. do. Um, I, I think there's a model for that out there. I, I think the feelings that you would have would, would change because there are some pressures, but I think you could do it. Before I wrap up, Kevin, one, one, one ingredient that I really like that you do with the kids, and one I think James Bosart maybe told this to me one time when I was sharing something with him at the end of practice, maybe a poem or whatever I said. He goes, oh, yeah, we, we, we had that one in uh, Coach Fenefrock's pre-practice thing. Is there something that you do with the guys before practice where you share something with them? We always try to start each practice with a quote of the day and uh, or just a thought of the day and just something that uh, – to kind of help motivate the players, something for them to reflect on, maybe something for the team, a goal or something like that. And, uh, you know, those were probably the times that I enjoy most because you're at, at that point, you're trying to shape and mold character. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, you know, it's great to hear that James remembered some of those things. And I, and I also remember one of my favorite memories about going back to, the, you know, I referenced the gurus of Go, and just for those listening, that was a an AAU team started by uh, TK and uh, and Scott, and so our sons were the same the same age, and we had a great experience. But you know, I also at the end of those days of, of hey, say something positive about your teammates, and and what a great way that was to kind of you know just put closure on a game to in a healthy and positive way deal with whatever emotion that we were all dealing with and that we could all walk through or we could all walk away with some type of um, gratitude and appreciation for others. Kevin, I just got to thank you because as far as the the maturation of my own son who got to play for you, um, one of the things that you did for him is you believed in him. And that, you know, that makes me emotional even to say but I think that that's what your sense of integrity and your your why, just believing in kids, um, makes you the, the special teacher coach that you are. So I appreciate you for that. No, thank you very much, Scott. I appreciate that. Kevin, I, I think composure in class really sums you up. Um, and I have to concur about the CYO coaching. I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever enjoyed coaching any team more than I did my son CYO third through eighth grade. And I, I think it's because you really, you care if you lose. It, it does hurt a little bit, but you don't really care that much. It's 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 kind of the experience and, and it, it's, it was so much easier to stay positive with that group because there aren't the outside factors and pressures of having to please everybody. We had eight kids on our team. And I knew I could always get all eight in. It doesn't mean that we didn't have any issues. Um, I think out of all of my six years, I got one tiny email. You know, actually, in 16 years of CYO coaching, I only had one email that was even close to negative. So that's not bad. That's pretty good. Um, but man, that that was so much fun. That was so much fun, and you could be so positive there. And I, I tried to take that over to my high school experience. But Kevin, I'm going to wrap up with this and. Again, thank you for modeling composure in class to me because I, I honestly want to be more like you when I coach. I, I just love how you have that demeanor on the sidelines of, of nothing but composure in class. And I concur with everything that Scott that, that Scott said. I know my, my son always felt um, empowered when he played with you uh, for you. And, you, you know, kids will either fear us. They'll feel a, a, a sense of fear or they'll feel, feel empowered by playing for a certain coach. And when they feel empowered um, and that sense of belief that you mentioned, that's really special. So i got to wrap up with this. 
What is your retirement dream job? <laughs> well, my, my youngest daughter, Caroline, my youngest daughter, Caroline's in second grade question. The short answer is, I don't know. The, you know, having this discussion, you feel a certain energy around everything that, you know, is good about the teacher coach model that's good about uh, athletics and education. And so my youngest daughter is in second grade, Caroline, and Grace is in uh, fifth grade. So you never know. You just, you never, you never know. So we'll see. Kevin, Kevin, just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. Yep. <laughs> Kevin, um, is, is there, has there ever been a superintendent who's been the head girls basketball coach anywhere that you know of? Well, yeah, only uh, hall of famer, uh, Tom Davis at East Canton who had, uh, who the courts named after him, 624 wins and, uh, you know, made great contributions uh, okay. to the East Canton community. He was the superintendent, huh? He was the superintendent. The story is I, and I had a chance to meet Tom at a football game, but the, the story, he was the girls' basketball coach. He was the principal of the superintendent position, came open, and, you know, he wasn't quite sure. And uh, I think I'm sure that that was a condition uh, that he had that for him to accept that job was that he continued to coach. Was a condition accept that position. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, I know your time is precious as the superintendent of East Canton Schools. Um, I wish we could keep prying into this because I love it, but um, the gift of belief and composure in class is what I take away from this. Um, so many great nuggets. I'm going to have to rewind it myself and, and dig into this. I'd love to talk to you maybe one other time about youth coaching and AAU coaching, but I think we'll cover that one some other time. Um, for Scott Callahan and TK Griffith, uh, this has been the Teacher Coach Podcast with... Kevin Finnefrock.